This is John Gruden, ex-football coach. He was the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. They moved to Las Vegas uh, until last night. Um, I'm actually, look, I'm not a huge football fan. I lost interest a couple of years ago, but uh, I actually like this guy. I don't think he should have been fired. What happened to him can happen to a lot of people on all sides of the political spectrum. If this guy goes down, and apparently he has, I hope he comes back, but uh, a lot of other people are vulnerable, all right? This is classic mob mentality. Look at the bad guy, I'm good. Keep looking at the bad guy because I'm the good guy, huh? No, this is really, really sick stuff. Now, first of all, he was a longtime coach, very successful. He won a Super Bowl, and he was three years into a $100 million contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. And then some emails came out. We're going to show you them in a moment. But first, just generally, is America the land of the free? Is America the land of the free? In the land of the free, you got to be free to make mistakes, you gotta be free to make mistakes. You know, you gotta have bad to have good. If you mandate the good, you know, first of all, he didn't break the law. We, we need laws, all right, of course. But if you mandate being good, is it really good? I don't know. What happened to this guy, though, is not right, and I'll show you in a moment that culturally, he is a product of, well, his generation, where he came from. So 10 years ago, when he was an ESPN analyst, he wasn't a head coach, from his private email account, he emailed some officials at the then Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team, that's a whole other drama, and he said some things. Let's go through it. The New York Times discovered these emails and released portions. They characterized it this way. In several instances, Gruden used a homophobic slur to refer to Goodell, the commissioner, an offensive language to describe some NFL owners, coaches, and journalists who cover the league. Next, let's get a bit more specific. In the emails, Gruden called the league's commissioner, Roger Goodell, a F word, maggot, rhymes with maggot, starts with an F. I'm actually not allowed to say it, and I can live with that. And a clueless anti-football, starts with a P, rhymes with wussy. You can figure that one out as well. Now, a quick reminder about Goodell. A lot of people don't like him. This is a guy who let kneeling in the NFL become a thing. He capitulated, and we don't like him for that and for a lot of other reasons. So, back to the coach. Did he use the best terminology? Of course not. It was a private exchange, and I want to emphasize this. This man is 58 years old. That means he was a child in the 70s and in part of the 80s, and back then, the culture was different, totally different. During his formative years, that F word that rhymes with maggot was in wide use and circulation, and it didn't get you canceled. Maybe it should have, but it didn't. One of the most popular movies from the 1980s was a little film called Fast Times at Ridgemont High, featuring Sean Penn. Uh, in a dream sequence, Sean Penn wins the great big surfing championship, and he has bad things to say about his surfing rivals. You know, a lot of people expected maybe Mark Cutback Davis or Bob Jungle Death Gerard would take the honors this year. Oh, those guys are <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, F-A-G, yeah, he said it. Well, 
Let's show you what the New York Times said about this movie. Back in the 1980s, when they reviewed it, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a jumbled but appealing teenage comedy with something of a fresh perspective. Wow, all these young actors are relaxed funny and natural, but the movie's real scene stealer is Sean Penn as a pink-eyed surfer named Jeff Spicoli. So that's written by uh, Janet Maslin, who, by the way, is still with the paper. She's still writing things, and uh, she wasn't outraged by that word. She wasn't outraged by that word. Isn't that interesting? And you know, it's not ancient history regarding the F word. More recently, uh, Jennifer Aniston, America's sweetheart, Friends, we all remember her from Friends. She was in a movie called uh, Bad Bosses, and uh, she let it rip. But I think uh, even really saying the word uh, is death well. Yeah. That's crossing the line? A little bit. I'm starting to sound like a little there, Dale. Bad bosses, horrible bosses with that language. Well. What kind of review did this movie get? Let's take a look. The funniest comedy of degeneracy since Bad Santa and a career changer for Aniston. This is great stuff. But then again, they're using that F word. And by the way, the F word rhymes with maggot in its full form. It is offensive. And I learned something about this word a few years ago from none other than Louis C.K. Remember him? Uh, a comedian had a very successful show on uh, FX by the name of Louie. It was about him and his comedian friends, and uh, one night they had a little poker game. One of Louie's friends happened to be gay, and he told everybody why he didn't like that word, the F word. And quite frankly, his, uh, his explanation made a lot of sense, and I didn't know any of this. Take a look. The word f really means a bundle of sticks used for kindling in a fire. Now, in the Middle Ages, when they used to burn people they thought were witches, they used to burn homosexuals, too. And they used to burn the witches at a stake, but they thought the homosexuals were too low and disgusting to be given a stake to be burned on. So they used to just throw them in with the kindling, with the other f***s. That every gay man in America has probably had that word shouted at them when they're being beaten up, sometimes many times, sometimes by a lot of people all at once. So... When you say it, it kind of brings that all back up. But, you know, by all means, use it. Get your laughs. But, you know, now you know what it means. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Um, I thought it was interesting. By the way, it was very hard to find this clip. You know why? Because Louis C.K. has been canceled, and so is his show. I mean canceled. I mean removed from uh, circulation because of some other stuff that he may have been involved in. So that moment is lost for the most part. I thought it was interesting. And it would make me even more reluctant to use that F word, which as a kid I used and I had it used against me. It was as common as the air, unfortunately, but that's who we were in the 1970s and 1980s. All right. Now, I want to show you a picture of a person I'm not familiar with. This is Mr. Smith. Uh, I believe he was league president and still is league president. But back in 2011, he had some sort of major dispute with uh, uh, with John Gruden and John Gruden laid into him big time in an email. Let's go there. Dumbarus, making fun of his name there, Smith has lips the size of Michelin tires. Gruden wrote about Smith in the exchange. All right. Obviously, not very nice. Again, private email to uh, from his private address. And uh, said something not nice about somebody, made fun of his lips. 
people do that. People do that uh, about people with lips that they find abnormal, big, whatever. It's been done against black people, white people. Mick Jagger has some pretty interesting lips. Wouldn't we agree on that? And he has been the butt of uh, jokes and ridicule for a long, long time. I think actually the the emblem of the albums features a pair of lips that I'm told may have been influenced by Mick Jagger's lips. Anyway, uh, Eddie Murphy, of all people, you know, we got, God bless the comedians. God bless the comedians. They're trying to cancel them and they've had to really alter their act, but um, Eddie Murphy <laughs> made fun of Mick Jagger's lips. And you know what? It was just fine. Mick Jagger is an ugly <laughs> With big lips. Mick Jagger's lips so big, black people be going, you got some big lips. Sorry, but it's kind of who we are or who we were. People talk like this for a long, long time. I don't necessarily find that offensive. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Oh, great. Easy for you to say you're a white male. We'll get to that in a moment. Now, Mr. Smith, the guy who was a subject of this 10-year-old email... Once again, he put out some tweets himself about this matter. The email has also revealed why the comments by some with powerful platforms to explain this away are insidious and hypocritical. It is as if there is a need to protect football above the values of equality, inclusion, and respect. All right, I want to make it clear again. I really don't care about football. This is not about football. This actually is about equality and respect. That's where I'm coming from, all right? Because Mr. Smith here, I think, is using this as uh, an opportunity for some sort of leverage. Although there's a sign of hope here. Next slide, please. Next tweet from Mr. Smith. I appreciate that he reached out to me. Apparently, John reached out to him. John Gruden did. I told him that we will connect soon. I love that. But make no mistake, the news is not about what is said in our private conversation, but what else is said by people who never thought they would be exposed and how they are going to be held to account. We're going to hold people accountable for things they said in private. This is a very, very slippery slope. It is dangerous. And I believe Mr. Smith, with some of his phrasing there, is suggesting that this is a way to achieve more power. I'll get to that, actually, in a moment as well. Look, we're getting all kinds of confusing signals. What's permissible, what's not permissible. I watch Netflix, you watch Netflix probably. Have you heard of the show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? It's there. It's not nearly as funny as it used to be in their own way. They're politically correct and I can't make heads or tails out of the show anymore. Um, but our coach friend is in trouble for using the word queer. And let's put up that email, if we could. Uh, said that Goodell should not have pressured Jeff Fisher, then the coach of the Rams, to draft queers, a reference to Michael Sam, a gay player chosen by the team in 2014. Again, that's homophobic, but the Netflix show with the same name is uh, beautiful and celebratory and uh, just fine. Conflicting signals, conflicting signals. And let's be real about the NFL for a little bit, the National Football League. I just heard this joke recently, but it's actually kind of funny. You know what else they call it? The National Felons League, National Felony League. Some of these players, They've killed people. They've beaten wives. They've raped people. They have driven drunk and run over people. They have abused dogs, and they still get to play. They still get to play. Uh, 
these people are not angels, okay? The players, the staff, why are we suddenly acting like they're supposed to be held to this ridiculous standard, uh, timeless, uh, everything must be perfect, even behind the scenes? One of the things that the coach, if we can take another look at him, has going against him, let's put him up on the screen, John Gruden. Guess, what do you think he's got going against him in this moment? Well, you can see he's white, he's male. Those are two big strikes against you, big time, big time. Here in New York State, the labor laws say if you are white and a man, you are on your own. You have no special protections, but all kinds of other groups do. Put it up. They actually have uh, guidelines. This is, this is a matter of law here in New York. Age discrimination, sex discrimination, uh, disability discrimination, sexual orientation, it goes on and on and on. There's one group, though, that apparently can be discriminated against, no protections, and that would be white men. And white men are under attack. It's true. All right. And by the way, why are they under attack? Well, putting the coach aside for a moment, um, there is a chance for others to achieve more power in moments like this. Do you know who Emmanuel Acho is? Former football player. He's really friendly with Oprah. This is a powerful guy right now. And he parachutes in at moments like this to exploit for opportunities for himself. That's what I believe is happening here. Let's hear from Emmanuel Acho, ex-football player. How's this for the spirit of forgiveness? Couple quick thoughts on John Gruden, and boy, I got a lot of them. First things first, get him the heck up out of there, man. No place in our society for language like that, for speech like that, for thoughts like that, particularly for people in positions of power, not in sports or in life. Not even for thoughts like that. Not even for thoughts like that. And you know, our phones, our email accounts, our text messages, let's face it, they are a reflection of our brain. We're gonna have to cough these things up for a job interview, go through all of our emails, all of our text messages, this is where it's going, and it's very, very dangerous. But guys like Acho can benefit. He already has. But y'all, this is why it's imperative to have minorities as voices and faces in positions of power in society so you don't have rampant ignorance running around like this. The dude was homophobic. The dude was racially insensitive. The dude was sending topless photos of Washington cheerleaders to the president of the Washington football team? Make it make sense. All right, let's make it make sense for Acho. Acho, people in all communities send around pictures like that. It's not ideal, but it happens in the minority community, in every community. Uh, the case has not been established that he's homophobic. It hasn't, and it has not been established that he's racist. I don't want to go through Acho's private emails. Uh, that's up to him, all right? We can't go into his brain. It's not fair. But I believe he's looking to exploit this. He said that we need uh, minority voices in positions of power. You know whose minority voice he wants in a position of power? He's done it before. Acho. Acho's out for Acho. He doesn't represent a community. Hey, the last time the host of The Bachelor got himself in trouble, guess who took over The Bachelor? Acho did. Acho did. Somebody made an arguably insensitive comment. It wasn't. Acho came in, tried to educate America. Acho made out big time, big time. This is a crazy moment in America. Only certain people are allowed to speak. Screw that.
Screw that. We all need to speak out. And I'll give you a tip, by the way, that I learned from Donald Trump very recently on how we can get engaged in a new and interesting way. Uh, yesterday was, of course, Columbus Day. You barely knew that. There are so many people speaking out about Columbus, I mean, negatively so, including a coach uh, from the NBA. Take a look at this guy. Who is this guy? He took slaves. Uh, he, he mutilated, he murdered, uh, and we're going to, they're going to say slash and honor him. Well, you know, I got to give the San Antonio Independent School District a little bit of credit because at least they added Indigenous Peoples Day along with it, and that's a step in the right direction. But what the hell is Alamo Heights thinking? It's Columbus Day. That's why they're off on Monday. You know, maybe there's something I'm missing and I'm ignorant. Yes, yes, you are ignorant, Greg Popovich, head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. You are ignorant. You're getting your information from leftists, from socialists. They're lying to you. They're lying to us. Christopher Columbus did none of those things. You can look it up. But this is how, if you're a white man in particular, and we talked about how they're under fire right now, this is how you hold on to power, by this kind of virtue signaling. It's even more effective if you get yourself to believe it, but that's what's happening here. This is how you hold on to power. Okay, back to our coach. I feel that there's something else going on here. There's a story behind the story. He was just three years into a 10-year contract that paid $100 million. Maybe they wanted him gone for something else, and that's why they went through all of his emails. Something here obviously is wrong. I don't think they're firing him for these emails, but who knows? Who knows? I do know this, though. If they can do it to a, a famous, uh, semi-famous rich man like that, if you're a truck driver or a school teacher or you're on one of these news shows, you're even more vulnerable, even more vulnerable without the resources and assets that that guy has. Tough times out there. We got to be real, real careful. But I'm not done with this issue. I'll be back with a way we can all help and participate and push back. We need more than a fox to guard the liberal media. Turn to the smart, conservative news that you can trust. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Newsmax cuts through the noise to deliver the inside look and breaking stories you can trust. No bias, no BS. Unintimidated and unafraid. Every minute, every day. Don't get outfoxed. Get the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. All I, All I can, can say is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> And the fake news, they love this story about the coach who lost his job because of ten, a 10-year-old email or several emails from 10 years ago. Canceling Coach John Gruden. Uh, I'm more frustrated, actually, with the owner. Here's the owner, Mark Davis. I have accepted John Gruden's resignation as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. He puts this out on Twitter. It's a great big virtue signal. And then the pressure is off Mr. Uh, Davis there. These corporate types, my goodness gracious, these big businesses from Coke to the Raiders. They give in to the pressure. These corporate types, they're so scared of the mob. They hate being criticized on Twitter. It just, it totally freaks them out. Anything, anything, they'll get rid of anybody. They'll just, anything the mob wants 
so they don't get made fun of on Twitter. I learned a long time ago from a guy that we all know how to cope with the mob. Take a look. Ultimately, I'm always right. <laughs> you think the Twitter mob got him upset? Now, I know he's not on Twitter anymore, but think back to when he was. I was amazed. He would tweet something. Sometimes it was controversial. Sometimes it was outrageous. And the horrible things people would say. Then I finally understood it. He did it on purpose. He did it to see what people were thinking. He did it to see also what the critics would say. It's actually smart. And what happens when you go on social media, uh, I'm on social, and uh, sometimes I tweet outrageous stuff, um, the criticism goes through you. It's almost like you're looking at soccer scores in Portugal, and it just doesn't matter. They can say awful things about you, and it doesn't matter. It's actually kind of cool. But that's what these corporate CEOs, they don't do it. They're just too freaked out and they're, they, they want to be anonymous, as anonymous as possible. And they want to control what anybody thinks about them. I think they got to get with the times and mix it up on social media. And so do we. Once you get a little bit of criticism, it's like, you know what? It's no big deal. The mob will move on. All right. It's up to those people in the boardrooms to get tough. All right. Get tough. Tough it out. Um, speaking of being tough, how about the passengers coast to coast? Did you hear about the, the screw-ups uh, this weekend, especially Southwest Airlines, all kinds of cancellations? We've got big problems when it comes to transportation, and we have no real uh, transportation secretary, apparently. Pete Buttigieg, remember him? The uh, Yes, the mayor of South Bend, who somehow became a serious presidential candidate and parlayed that into a cabinet position. Nowhere to be seen during our transportation crisis. Called out by Senator Tom Cotton. Take a look at this. He laid it on pretty hard. Pete Buttigieg was completely unqualified to serve as Secretary of Transportation, but Biden still picked him. Now Pete is absent during a transportation crisis that is hurting Working class Americans. Uh, well, you're right. He's totally unqualified uh, to be a transportation secretary. But uh, when has that ever stopped somebody from getting a great big cabinet job? Here's what makes Pete so qualified, especially to national political reporters. He's gay and he went to Harvard. Now, does that sound harsh? I guess it does. But look at all these articles. They could not stop writing about his sexuality. It's what made him a star. Unfortunately, it has nothing to do with being a good transportation secretary. All right. That brings me to, uh, I believe, a, a true guardian of democracy, Dave Chappelle. I'm counting on Dave Chappelle right now. Dave Chappelle is doing some amazing things. He says jokes, some of the, which I find offensive, but they're almost always funny. Dave Chappelle is one of the few who just doesn't care. I guess he's rich enough, he's famous enough, and uh, he's pushing back against cancel culture, and he's doing it in spectacular fashion with his Netflix specials. Here's a portion of his latest one. I'd like to start by addressing the LBGTQ community directly. And I want every member of that community to know that I come here tonight in peace. <laughs> and I hope to negotiate the release of the baby. 
All right, so he always antagonizes a good chunk of the LGBTQ community. I think he does it with intelligence and wit, and it's interesting. People are different. Those differences can be celebrated and sometimes even made fun of. It's okay. So he's talking about the baby. There's a real guy named the baby. And news to me, he's a he's a rapper. Apparently, he's a very good rapper. But he told a joke about the trans community that crossed all kinds of lines, and now it looks like he's going to be canceled. The uh, baby. Uh, so here comes Chappelle to his defense, and not only the baby's defense, but just basically across the board. Very interesting point, though, he makes here about the baby's life, what he did earlier, and the joke he made about uh, trans people. Check it out. Look at how Chappelle puts it. A lot of the LBGTQ community doesn't know the baby's history. He's a wild guy. He once shot a and killed him in Walmart. Oh, this is true. Google it. The baby shot and killed a Walmart in North Carolina. Nothing bad happened to his career. Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> in our country, you can shoot and kill a but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. <laughs> it just it's funny stuff and it's true now netflix is under fire you got to cancel this guy you got to pull it off but you know what nope he's too big he's too strong uh they say they will not take him off because this is too popular too big to cancel too big to cancel now he's saying some things that are very very compelling provocative to be sure i happen to agree with some of this stuff but what if somebody says it who's not as rich not as famous who maybe isn't black, why are only certain people allowed to say what they believe is the truth and others are not? Others could truly be canceled. It's an interesting time, isn't it? Anyway, I'm very appreciative of uh, Chappelle. All right, now it's time for an update on Joe Biden's career. A little bit late, but it's important. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? The media gave him a great big pass, Joe Biden, during the campaign because they had to do anything to get Trump out of that office. But now that he's in, um, we're not going to stop looking at this guy's record. Some of this we did point out last year. We warned you about this guy, but I'm going to revisit something, an old article written about Joe Biden back in 1974. And Joe and his family said some pretty weird stuff in this story that should have been bigger news last year. Uh, Kitty Kelly, the celebrity biographer, actually did this interview for The Washingtonian. Take a look at this about the Biden family. Actually, this is a quote from Valerie, his sister. His sister Valerie talks about Biden's 1972 campaign against Senator Boggs. We knew Joey could win, so everyone in the family worked 17 hours a day for 18 months to make sure he did. Hmm. Yeah, I was his campaign manager, and Neely, his then wife, was his chief political strategist. My husband was his financial manager, and my younger brother was his chief fundraiser. It really was a family operation, and it still is. So what happens here? Everybody's on the payroll. They made money in that campaign, huh? Who can work full-time, 18 hours a day, seven days a week? Yeah, they were not rich people. They were being paid. This was the way the Bidens became rich, Joe's political career. Here's something else that Joe told them when he thought no one was looking. Joe tells Kitty Kelly out loud, next up, take a look if you would, 
He defines politics as power, Joe does. And whether you like it or not, young lady, he's telling Kitty Kelly, he says, leaning over his desk to shake a finger at me, us cruddy politicians can take away that First Amendment of yours if we want to. And it looks like he still thinks that. The left still thinks that. All right, stay with us. We've got something important to point out about the election of 2020 and January 6th. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. So this is something, a new poll from Rasmussen. Take a look. A huge number of Americans uh, think that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election. 56% of those polls said as much. And uh, as the fake news always says, oh, no evidence, no evidence. They dispute it. They don't look at it. But there is evidence that not everything was uh, perfect with the election. Take a look at this. From across the country, we've got issues. These are just some examples, but uh, I want to go through it. Uh, Trina Rainey, she's 28 years old, worked at the Father Murray Nursing Home in Macomb County, Georgia. She's accused of forging signatures of residents on absentee voting applications. The charges... Rainey faces three counts of election law forgery and three counts of forging signatures on absentee ballot applications in McCombs 37th District. Each of these counts has a maximum five-year penalty. Also, Nancy Juanita Williams, 55 years old, worked for Guardian and Associates, a legal services company that helps uh, care for incapacitated people. She allegedly developed and implemented a plan to obtain and control absentee ballots for patients by fraudulently submitting 26 absentee ballot applications to nine local election clerks. And now she is charged with uh, alleged fraud, dozens of charges in five, uh, five courts, three counts in the 28th district in Wayne County, Michigan, six counts in the 17th district court. She's in trouble, okay? This stuff is actually happening. Two workers at the elections office in Georgia's most populous county, Fulton County, were fired for allegedly shredding voter registration forms. Uh, they were dismissed Friday after other employees reported witnessing the workers destroying registration forms that had yet to be processed before local elections next month. Carlos Clark is the name, 59 years old. Clark allegedly filled out and signed and returned her grandson's absentee ballot even though he decided to vote in person, Clark admitted to signing her grandson's absentee ballot because she was concerned he would not have time to vote on Election Day. The press release states she Wayne County, 36th District Court, charged with impersonating another to vote. That is possibly uh, this felony with a possible four-year penalty. This stuff is happening. It's being dismissed or ignored by the fake news. And they only believe those they want to believe, like uh, their hero, a guy named Chris Krebs. We contributed to the cross-agency effort to protect the 2020 election by surging coordination and collaboration with our partners across the national security space. 
In conclusion, because of these and other efforts, on November 12, 2020, government and industry representatives from the election security community issued a joint statement reflecting a consensus perspective that the 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history. <laughs> most secure in U.S. history. With all of the mail-in situation, with all of that, the most secure, and by the way, a lot of folks think that that wasn't even the charge of his job. He should not have even issued a statement like that. It wasn't his area of responsibility. Um, and more from the fake news. Again, whenever we raise concerns, uh, they dismiss it. And a lot of people, as we showed earlier, are concerned. President Trump is claiming, and the White House is reaffirming, the fiction that millions of illegal votes were cast in the 2016 election. It is empirically a stunning allegation for which the White House is providing no evidence. We don't have widespread uh, voter fraud in this country. We don't have widespread um, problems with, with ineligible voters voting in this country. It is all part and partial of the big lie. Despite these baseless claims of voter fraud on social media, right-wing social media for the most part, uh, election officials and elected officials, including many Republicans, say the system worked as it was supposed to, and there simply is little to no evidence of fraud. You know, they hedge a little to no evidence. And then they say, well, there's evidence, but it's not widespread. Uh, well, it's widespread, but not much in the way of numbers. Look, the people who told us the Russia hoax story for so long, who told us that uh, Donald Trump would not win in 2016 and said all over again that he couldn't win in 2020. Do we think they're going to be open minded about concerns about the 2020 election? No, <laughs> they're not going to be open minded, um, but they should be. And if they don't want to listen to folks on the conservative side, listen to Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter is a total liberal now, still out there. Back in 2005, he was on a blue ribbon commission. This whole thing about mail-in voting, it raises concerns about privacy as citizens voting at home may come under pressure to vote for certain candidates, and it increases the risk of fraud. That was a real conclusion from a real panel that was co-chaired by Jimmy Carter. And they just say, oh, no, 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 that was all fixed. Just kind of, uh, no. They don't want you to look at that. They don't want you to consider it. They also don't want you to remember reports they did like this. Back in May of last year, when COVID was taking off, and okay, mail-in, 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 you can't just set up mail-in voting like that. It's too hard, it's too complicated. As much as she believes in voting exclusively by mail, Wyman tells us it may not be the best option for states with little experience with it. Four months is not enough time to, to spin up what we need to spin up. It was not enough time to set up these systems. These systems are very, very complex. And um, those of us with concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election, those concerns are valid and legitimate. It's too bad the fake news, with all their resources, won't investigate. There's nothing to see here. Nothing at all. Do you believe them? I don't. All right. Oh, Adam Schiff. Got to talk about Adam real quick. <laughs> what a character, huh? He put this country through so much. He deliberately tried to sabotage the presidency of Donald Trump. And now he's trying to sell a book. Yes, while he's in office, I don't think this should happen, do you? When you're in office, writing a book at the same time, well, he did it. He's out there trying to sell a book, and when you have a book, you get to go on all the shows. 
I need to ask you about the January 6th committee. When will you get hold of the documents that the White House has said they're okay with Congress um, taking, the Trump-era documents? Well, uh, very soon, I hope. Uh, and I plan What are you the, looking for? I, I, well, I plan the Biden administration for not asserting executive privilege, not trying to um, because it's protecting its own prerogative, deprive the American people of the full fact. So mm -hmm. hats off to the administration. Um, we should, I think, get those documents soon because the sitting okay. president has the primary say on executive privilege. Uh, but we also want to make sure that these witnesses come in and testify. And yeah. we are prepared to go forward and urge the Justice Department to criminally prosecute okay. anyone who does not do their lawful duty. This guy should have absolutely no credibility whatsoever. None, none, none. He's been wrong. He has lied. He's been caught. But there he is on a Sunday show. So smug, so smug. And yes, the book, he's hawking it right now. You're saying we're on the cusp of a constitutional crisis. Yes, uh, and this is really why I wrote the book, because I wanted to sound the alarm that our democracy is hanging by thread right now. Um, as a member of the January 6th committee, you know, I have to acknowledge there may be another violent attack on the Capitol, but what is even more pressing a threat is what we see Republicans doing around the country, uh, taking this big lie about the last election and running with it. Uh, and I wanted to, to tell the story in this book about how, how does that happen? How in four short years does our democracy become so threatened? He's got a lot of nerve. He's calling me a threat to democracy. I mean, General Milley calls me a domestic terrorist, okay? I'm just here. It's channel 222 or whatever you watch, and I'm observing the news. I'm making observations. I'm using my experience and my skill, and this is who I am, okay? Adam has a big problem with that, huh? Democracy holding on by a thread. Maybe, just maybe, if they did fool around with the election, this is the kind of stuff they would say to ward off anybody from getting too close to the truth. I have a feeling that's what's going on. I'll be right back. So check it out. That is Grace Smith in handcuffs. She is a junior in high school, Laramie High School in Wyoming, 16 years old, busted for not wearing a mask, taken to the police station. Uh, this is wild. This seems totally unnecessary, but I'd like to bring Grace, welcome her to the show, along with her dad, Andy Smith. Uh, hi, and I'm, by the way, I guess you're out on bail. <laughs> Great to see you tonight. How are you guys? Good, how are you? Good, Greg, thanks for having us. You bet, you bet. So listen, Grace, first off to you, um, what is the policy of the school? And uh, I take it you're violating it, why are you? Um, the school policy is that every student has to wear a mask. They've mandated it about two weeks into the school year. And I chose not to because I believe that it's a, uh, infringement of all of my liberties and freedoms that the government is supposed to be protecting and are not. And let's face it, I mean, most of society, I, I mean, in a lot of places, people are not wearing masks. On airplanes, they make us wear masks. Are you the only student not doing this? Do you have a lot of friends who are joining you or just you? Um, up to this point, there's been about half the school not wearing masks. So it's very interesting that I'm the one that they chose to arrest and to suspend three times in a row. Why? Why you? I understand. Also, by the way, you're uh, you're pretty good when it comes to school. I understand you do quite well. What what are your what's your average, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, I have a consistent 4.0, except for one semester my sophomore year, but that was the COVID year. So. 
All right. So, I wow. They shouldn't be picking on you. Um, Andy, to see your own daughter get hauled off to the police station. And this wasn't like they gave her a ticket. They actually put her in the cop car and brought her to the station, correct? Uh, that's correct. This is a culmination uh, leading up to this. We were forcing their hand on their um, unlawful mask policy. And they told me uh, straight to my face, both the lieutenant and both the uh, school resource officers, that they would not arrest children for this. And uh, so it was, it was surprising that they did escalate it to that point and took it that far. I'm so sorry we are running very short on time, but what is your ne- I applaud you for what you're doing, by the way. I do. But, Grace, what is your next step here? Um, what's the penalty and, and what are you going to do now? Um, I have two $500 trespassing citations and uh, we have an attorney that's going to help us work through those. And our goal is to use all of our uh, donated money to help support our family and every family who's going to continue to fight for civil liberties. And um, I'm just going to keep fighting this until there's some sort of justice for every parent and every student in this nation. I love it. I love it. Grace Smith, Andy Smith, keep up the fight. I like what you're doing. By the way, you can find out more information and get in touch with these folks. Go to givesendgo.com slash stand for grace, stand for grace, givesendgo.com slash stand for grace. Good luck. Keep us posted and we'll be right back. Special television event, the New Jersey gubernatorial debate next on Newsmax. Newsmax. 